0: Talk Live. come and watch us there and join the conversation live with us in real time your participation helps drive the conversation now let's get on with today's show David welcome to the show well thank you very much happy great to be here oh, glad to have you how about this global audience we brought in for you today yeah I love it there are people who are chiming in from everywhere they really are so folks if you have questions for David or questions in the conversation as we get into this, you know, feel free to pop them in. There is a bevy of you. So uh, if we don't catch all of them, we'll do our best to maybe follow up with you after the fact as well. Ooh, Mexico City's here as well. Just south of me. Okay, a whole lot south from me. So David, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, you've been, you've been working in tech for just a little while. Uh, if you were going to give me the total number of years, when, when you go sit in front of a customer, you say, I'm David Linthicum. I've been working in tech for?
1: Uh, boy, uh, that would be 50 years.
0: Uh believe it or not.
1: Yeah, it's a, you know, first job fixing a computer when I was a kid. You know, it's a you know, building Timex and Clares and uh extracting people in Vic 20 things like that and just uh took off from there. So you computers go all the way back. All the way back. Man, I I go back.
0: Yeah, so I I think my first one, my father was a lifer with IBM and so, you know, they had an employee purchase program for that first 88 PC and we had that in the house and early age we were, you know, Getting out the circular saw and building expansion cabinets out of wood for uh, you know, so we can get more more you know, hard drives and all the all the fun things. So it goes back a ways. What was your first job in tech?
1: First job in tech was uh, as a computer support analyst. In other words, the job I got paid for um, that where mm-hmm. I in college. And so for a company called SBS Satellite Business Systems, which later became MCI and uh, uh, basically troubleshot. Uh, tech support issues on the weekend. They needed a weekend person, uh, I volunteered, uh, they were able to pay me, so it was a great college job.
0: That's a great college job. And uh, and what's your job today? What's the title, what's the company? Let's give them a little credit for giving you some time to play with us today.
1: <laughs> Chief Cloud Strategy Officer at Deloitte. I've been with the firm about five years. And so we focus on solving big problems around technology. Bigger,
0: Bigger the better. Bigger the better, that's great. Tunisia is here Buenos Aires is here we've got a couple of, of locations we don't normally get to see uh, so David I mentioned this in in you know the the preamble and we, we've heard this term digital transformation I think it was first coined I did a little research first coined by a marketer go figure back in 2020 uh, 2012 and uh, and it's one of those things that uh, um, you know that's shown up for for in various forms. I know the first time a marketer came to my desk and you know knocked on you know on my desk and said, "Hey Jeff, we'd love for you to do a webinar on digital transformation." I said, "That is a great idea. But what's digital transformation?" And uh, you know there's a, a marketing explanation, but um uh, how would you define it? What is what does it ultimately mean? If we're going to say it's going to come past in 2023, what's going to come to pass?
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of the last mile automation issue that, that businesses are looking to solve. That's kind of the way I look at digital transformation. So in other words, we spent the last 30 some odd years automating the businesses and we're trying to do things not manual anymore, not on paper anymore in an electronic way. But there's probably that, uh, you know, 30, 40% left to automate and making these things truly digital. The ability to kind of have a real-time enterprise where you have real-time uh, smart supply chains, the ability to deal with inventory control, you know, using AI technology. I mean, all these various things will add value to business and allow businesses to run in a much more smarter and much more efficient way. And that's really what digital transformation is. It's getting closer to that objective.
0: And uh, so, so if we're going to make the statement that 2023 is when we really may see it come to fruition, you know, why is that? What, what is, in your opinion, why, why do you think that, that it's possible this year?
1: Well, I think a couple of things. Number one, they feel more uh, uh, pressure on the business in terms of then performing. And so, therefore, they're trying to be more innovative and creative in how they uh, leverage the business and leveraging technology as a true force multiplier. So, in other words, during the pandemic, people were just migrating applications and data sets into cloud as quickly as they could. So, they're moving it from from, uh, the data center into the cloud, but not necessarily doing much with it. Now it's about spanning and optimizing optimizing those systems that are in the cloud. And so it is truly getting to a smart supply chain automation. It is truly, you know, getting into auto diagnostic. It is truly tapping into generative AI with, you know, like chat uh, uh, GPT mm-hmm. and all these things that are really kind of amazing technology that can transform and change a business. And so they understand if they don't go through this transformation in 2023, they may not see 2024, 2025.
0: It's really true. And I don't think, you know, w- I maybe have been guilty of using that as a as a phrase in previous years of hey if you don't get after doing this you're, you're you know I'd say it softly your your competitors are going to pass you up but I think it's a very real thing to say you may not be here in 2024 if you don't get your digital house in order
1: yeah absolutely I mean I wrote a uh, article about five years ago called the brand apocalypse which is a business oriented article mm-hmm. which I typically don't write but the idea was i see companies out there that get it and companies that don't and companies that get it they're able to transform their business or going to be able to weaponize their products and services and get out into a market have a better customer experience offer more efficiency more cost efficiencies pass those savings along to customers we're seeing some of these companies today that are starting to emerge companies that don't get it they're not necessarily going to go away and go bankrupt they're going to get bought up the brands are going to go away they're going to consider, you know, legacy brands that no one wants anymore, and it will just end up on the uh, trash heap of businesses over the years.
0: So I have a question I want to build on that with, but but Martin asks a fantastic question. He says, is digital transformation or DT a culture?
1: Yeah, it takes a cultural shift. I hopefully yeah. I wouldn't call, call it creating a culture. But the thing is, you have to have people who are innovative and creative in the organization that are able to take technologies to the next level. We just did an interesting survey at Deloitte, and then surveys for bloggers are, you know, raw meat. In other words, we just see them all the and, way. Right, absolutely. Um, but one of the things we found out that was most interesting to me was that people who are successful with digital transformation and successful with cloud, it's been about the same as people who failed. And the reality, when we looked at why that occurred, it was leadership and culture, which made all the difference. In other words, leadership was able to take risks and create a culture for innovation and change, And promote moving forward with this technology, but the other ones did not, and they just kind of uh, uh, died on the vine in terms of creativity. They viewed it as a risk. They viewed it as an expense, a cost. They didn't want to take the career risk for it, and so culture is everything in making these things work. I can always solve the problem with this technology. I always tell my clients that, but the people issue and the cultural issue is the hardest thing to solve.
0: Yeah, my phrase is always the technology is the easiest part of the equation. Uh, You you can install it, you can subscribe to it, you can make it available, but unless somebody comes along and actually looks for ways to apply that technology to their business process or their business outcomes, then they're they're stuck. Now, a second ago, you were talking about how we were having the conversation that if people don't get after this in 2023, they may not be here next year. Now, because technology is a way, a force multiplier, a way to move faster, better, cheaper, more innovative – But if we rewind the clock a ways, there have been companies who have come along who have disrupted the the status quo. You can go all the way back and give the tired Netflix example against Blockbuster, but it's a really good one because they sort of just snuck up, and all of a sudden here was this thing. You know, they they innovated quietly by themselves. They, They 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 they. they worked out that business model. They figured that business model out. Now, at that point, it was sending DVDs back and forth in, in the email. And while that business quietly ran, they started to figure out streaming and then interjected that into it. Now, that was a good and a cautious way uh, to go about it because there wasn't a strong push to how can I go and disrupt the world's biggest companies. But Right now, every company has to approach this. This isn't a one or two or three industry or companies inside of those industries sort of a situation. It's every industry on the globe. If you don't figure out how to handle this thing in a digital construct to provide your goods or services, you really may not be here next year.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it it can be a logging company, it can be a pharmaceutical company. We saw a lot of the you know, kind of net new businesses, video being one, the Netflix example and the Uber example and all the, and there's some other examples today, but now it's getting into more traditional businesses. It's getting into pharmaceutical finance, ability to do banking better, pharmaceutical uh, delivery better, the ability to do food production better, the ability to do logging better. Believe it or not, there's a lot of digital enablement that's going on in the logging industry right now, which is revolutionizing their ability to reclaim uh, wood and get uh, forests uh, back, uh, in producing in a more sustainable way, the ability to deal with water. And, and so it's basically everything that's part of our lives. There's always a way to take that business, to take that process, to take that utility to the next level. And you can think about mm-hmm. technology as a way to do that. You just have to have people around that are able to say, why can't we do that better? What kind of technology can we leverage that is able to take us to the next level and make it happen, have the political will, have the resources and the funding to go get it done?
0: Well, David, this takes us back to, you know, the, the fact that we need a culture of innovation. We need individuals at the smallest level. Even I use the do- I always this. I've made up a fictitious person. Her name is Betty. She works in accounting. She, she takes incoming invoices and she puts them into a spreadsheet that ultimately get loaded into a billing system. And it's a job that's been needed in every organization since time began. How do I get these invoices into the billing system so that it can be taken care of? Well, we know now that uh, robotic uh, RPA or robotic process automation is an amazing tool for helping to solve that problem. But it takes somebody with the eyes and and the forethought to say, here's a tool that can be applied specifically to this business process to make Betty's job better. And now Betty can go from being this swivel chair employee to being an individual who can maybe learn these tools, who can become expert at, at, uh, you know, uh, automation anywhere or any other great tools that are out there and now move from this hourly financial employee to a very well-paying, uh, salaried position, you know, as a software developer creating, you know, these processes inside of RPA, but that's one micro look into a business in one specific process. But if you have a culture where we're analyzing that across the, the scheme and, and leadership has empowered folks to do that, that's when you see organizations really make some, some significant changes.
1: Yeah, and and it's going to be changing is the one thing that's always going to be a constant. You know, people look at the AI technology today, and I I believe many answered a ton of reporting reporter questions in the last uh, six months about generative AI and how it's Mm -hmm. changing the world. We can have them write papers and things like that. This has been going on for 100 years. We don't, you know, pick crops anymore in the field by human beings. It's done through mechanical purposes. Uh, We're able to, you know, leverage this stuff as a self-driving car. We're able to make our lives better. By leveraging this technology, ultimately has a net positive gain on what technology is. And so, your example was somebody who is having portions of their job automated with RPA or other technologies. That's an opportunity for that person to do things that are more human, uh, rather than doing business work and information work. And so, as human beings, we ha- we can have creative ideas. We can be very innovative and really kind of geniuses in taking things to the next level. I'm just looking forward to a world where people aren't as focused with the mundane day-to-day yeah. uh, tactical business needs and doing stuff that typically don't interest them and waiting for the, for the clock to hit yeah. five o'clock so they can leave home, but they're doing things that are interesting, that they're passionate about, where, and they're working where they want to work, how they want to work, and with who they want to
0: work. This episode of Cloud Talk is sponsored by Cisco. App Dynamics. Technical environments are getting more complex, and Cisco App Dynamics is helping to cut through the noise. Their full stack observability solutions help make every tech decision a business decision and keep everyone all on the same page. App Dynamics software enables deeper understanding of both user and application behavior so that your teams can see. Share and take action all in real time. Just go to appdynamics.com to learn more, schedule a live demo, or even start a 15-day free trial to see the difference for yourself that Cisco AppDynamics can make in your mission-critical applications. All right. With that, let's get back to the program. Well, and it's also not only is that creating that kind of job satisfaction that you're you're describing right there, but it's also the type of an employee that companies not only that they want to have, but that they have to have every single day. I think since January one rolled around, we've heard about massive layoffs. Uh, even inside uh, and around the tech industry. But you know who's not getting laid off are the people who are making these types of transformations. The folks who are sitting around just doing what they've done as long as they've ever done it, they're probably the ones who aren't around anymore. Um, David, we have a really good question that I'd love for you to address. It's from Greg. Greg, thanks for putting it in here. By the way, also welcome from London, Mexico, and South Africa. Not sure I've had South Africa here before. Uh, and of course, Jody, I'm glad that you're here. But, but, uh, but David asked the question, he says, do you recommend digital transformation training for programs provided by like uh, BPM institutes so or business process? I'm not
1: yeah, I think people should understand what it is, but you have to remember it's a, it's a journey, you know, ultimately not a destination. So, you know, if somebody is promoting something, is you want to know what digital transformation is? Well, it has 20 different components that you need to understand. And so if you're, going to look at business process reengineering other things like that you need to understand how they exist in the context of what digital transformation is as a framework and don't chase the marketing version of that i think that's that's going to be a very hard thing to actually get value from but chase the fact that the way that the thought leaders are defining what digital transformation is and your ability to kind of uh, take it and put it in the right context for your business, I think that's the only way it is. It's one of those fancy words. It's almost like cloud computing. You know, cloud yeah. computing is an ubiquitous word that uh, okay, well, and I, I spent the first you know uh, you know twenty years ago I was trying to explain to people what cloud computing is and what it's able to do. But the reality is, it's just a, a collection of many different technologies that if we give it one generalized and kind of cool name. Digital transformation is really no different. So. All this kind of technology that really has the purpose of enabling business and taking business to the next level, leveraging technology as a digital force multiplier. And so it should be part of a discussion in any part of technology because people are always going to know what does data analytics mean for yeah. digital transformation? What does AI mean for digital transformation? What does cloud storage mean for digital transformation? You have to be able to answer those questions.
0: Well, and, you know, before you made the comment that during COVID we spent so much time, my phrase has always been, they've just been, you know, shoveling their data out to the cloud as fast as, as possible so that people could be productive where they were working from. Um, but that has created this scenario where we have, uh, I think, the, the right ingredients for companies to really do this work and are doing this work. And it starts with the data i mean i mentioned robotic process automation robotic process automation rpa is useless if it doesn't have access to data sets uh in and processes that are already in place so that it can interject itself into that scenario so let's talk data for a second as a as a key contributor to or catalyst to digital transformation i would argue that most companies of very of, of most sizes have got Enough, a watershed of data already out inside of of the cloud to be useful. Now, what needs to happen to that data for it to, you know, be in a position where 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 RPA or or other tools can really enable uh, enable digital transformation at scale?
1: Yeah, it needs to be in a state where it can be understood. Um, so the problem with data right now is that there's typically no single source of truth within organizations in terms of how they're leveraging uh, information and leveraging data. So they have data scattered everywhere. Um, the people who own those data sets may understand what the meaning of the data sets are, but there's no common meaning that's really kind of understood among the enterprise data sets that are out there. And the problem with AI and RPA and, you know, all these other things out there, they're fed with data, uh, generative you know, AI wouldn't under, wouldn't un, know how to write a paper for you if they didn't have, you know, billions of petabytes of information that flows into it. And the same with enterprises. So the fact of the matter is you should be getting your data house in order. And I don't think many enterprises are focusing on that. They're moving it around and modernizing systems and putting in the cloud and they're they're putting data analytic systems on top of systems. They build data warehouses and data lakes and all these things that really, you know, kind of provide some tactical analytical capabilities. But the thing is having a true understanding and the ability to manage metadata in a way that's going to be useful to the people that consume it, it should be the highest priority right now if you're going to do digital transformation. I don't think anything can occur of significance Until you're able to get that under control or else you're going to build systems you are going to have to tear apart later because you have to go back and fix your data and those systems are dependent on that data and they're going to have to be augmented around the fixes that you make. You want to be that person. It's a foundation of a house that needs to be fixed first.
0: I love that. And, you know, I think to build on that, one of the other challenges that exists there is everything you just described as companies are looking at their data is that bottoms-up approach. It's where IT leaders are comfortable. Hey, it's been a few years. Shouldn't we upgrade the systems that SQL's running on um, or, and, and the like, as opposed to the top-down view? And the top-down view, not necessarily meaning from, from leadership, but from people who are saying, what is the art of the possible with my data set? Now, what has to happen to that data in order to get there? Uh, I oftentimes will start um, new programming projects, uh, requirements gathering for whatever the project might be is um, uh, around what reports or what do you wanna see in the end? Not what input screens, what data sets, let's define the schema, none of that stuff. What do you wanna see in the end? Because that's gonna define everything that needs to happen on the front side. It's gonna dictate a lot of the technology choices.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. The thing is, if we have to know where we're going, all these other things come along for the ride. Core business process automation, the ability to understand how the data is going to come in there, policy rules and changes in how we do business. And it's foundational. Uh, Nothing that we're talking about is going to be possible unless we design the basics, the infrastructure, the processes, the logic, the business rules, governance systems, uh, security systems, all sorts of ways in the right way before we build these systems on top of it. That's why I tell people to focus on the foundational stuff first. It's going to save you.
0: Absolutely. Now, Martin, asked a great question. You alluded to it a little bit in your last answer, and that is how important feels like it's just a leading question. Doesn't it? how important is cybersecurity in the in the DT journey? It's yeah.
1: systemic. It's systemic to everything, and and yeah. that kind of drives people crazy because we have we always like to say, okay, then we take all this big pile of stuff that we just built and hand it off to cybersecurity, and they have to figure out and secure it. That can't work. You have fix it. Yeah, it has to be built in systemically to all the applications and all the data and how you deal with policies and how you deal with encryption, or else unto itself, it's going to be insecure no matter how much security you put on it. We can't layer security on top of systems and hope for the best. What we need to do is systemically build these systems so we're able to take them to the next level, and security is, in essence, built into the way in which we're storing data, the way in which we're running processes, the way in which we're defining business logic, the way in which we're we're executing policies. And if we do that, then security doesn't necessarily have to be something we reinvent every time we build a system, every time we build a process, every time we build an application. It's going to be systemic to that. We just go ahead and hook those things up to the existing security infrastructure that we built that works systemically from system to system.
0: That's right. Uh, you know, we, we've got to get away from this point where I often they'll say, is security can't be that group back in building 102 that we try to never talk to, like the lawyers. We're we talking to security or talking to the lawyers, something bad is going to or has happened. They've got to become our best friends in everything. And we've got to look at their challenges, not as, hey, you guys are, aren't, aren't intelligent or you're doing it wrong, to hey, you're just trying to save us. And you are a partner in this journey. And, and get to the point to not only just allowing them into the conversation, but inviting them and their feedback into it, into everything. Yeah.
1: I, won't, I won't do a project uh, unless I have a security team and a governance team that's associated with that. People to watch and build and and create those services within the system or else it's not going to have the value to deliver to the business. There's going to be too much risk associated with it because we can't secure things anymore because the hackers and breachers out there are getting very clever on rethinking this stuff and having it an afterthought and layering it on top that won't work. Uh, security can't be in a silo. It's part of architecture It's part of digital transformation It's part of everything we do when we're enabling technology. I don't care if you're setting up a device or a database, it has to be systemic to everything that you're
0: doing. All right. Well, David, uh, you know, I think leaving on a security note is probably the best place uh, to, to leave it. So secure your stuff, folks. Uh, David, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come hang out with us here for a few minutes this morning.
1: Well, thank you very much for
0: having me. Hey, folks want to get a hold of you. If they want to follow you like the rest of the world does, where do they find you?
1: Uh, LinkedIn. Uh, You can uh, catch me out there. Uh, Also Twitter, David uh, Lenticum, L-I-N-T-H-I-C-U-M, all one word, catch me there. Also blog on
0: InfoWorld and the OnCloud podcast. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Everyone who wants to subscribe to that podcast, I've listened to many episodes there. Excellent. So David, have a great rest of your day. We'd love to have you back and continue the conversation. Just ask me back. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, David. Well, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation we had with David this morning. Uh, he, as I, you know, kind of sold him up in, here in the beginning part of the show. Is somebody who's been around this market for. A, uh, an incredible amount of time and brings a wealth of, of knowledge. So go follow him uh, in his different properties out there. You'll learn a ton. That's right. We can even refer people to uh, other places. They're great folks. So go check him out. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to continue our... Oh, my camera is not happy. So you can still hear me though. Um, uh, we are going to continue our conversation Uh, uh, next week, but more specifically in and around uh, the the technology of healthcare, And specifically, we're going to start having a conversation around uh, something that's been mandated by the government, and that's called price transparency. And that's uh, all these uh, health organizations here in the U.S. now have to publish their prices. And apparently, that's a hard thing for them. But we're going to start to unpack that a little bit. So, everyone, I am so glad that you were here today. Thank you so much. We are back next Tuesday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. And, uh, and we we'll look forward to seeing you then. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cloud Talk Live. Now, here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help improve your business and those around you. Now this was a live event which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8:30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to watch us there and join the conversation live with us. Now if you haven't already subscribed, I'd encourage you to do so and maybe even give us one of those five-star reviews. These episodes can be found anywhere podcasts are found. Until next time, I'm Jeff Deverter for Cloud Talk and Cloud Talk Live.